Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson, and it's so great to have you here with us on this Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. Lockdown Blue Devils is your one-stop shop for everything going on in the life of Duke athletics. We're going to be focusing a lot on this Duke men's basketball game last night against Hofstra, a look ahead to what's next for the Blue Devils, and much more with my good pal Kevin Conley, the site expert for Ball Durham. I don't know. Kyle Filipowski must have been listening to Lockdown Blue Devils as of late, asking for a big-time performance, and did he deliver Yes, he did last night against Tofstra, so let's talk about that and a whole lot more throughout today's show. If you have not done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever it is that you get your podcast. Make sure you go and leave us a five-star rating and written review. You can watch the show daily on YouTube. Hit that like button, share this video with your friend, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see all these videos each and every day as they come up. And again, if you have not done so, make sure that you also leave us some comments down below. Let us know if you're an everydayer, if you're with us each and every day. I appreciate those folks who were there with us uh, throughout the season. If you haven't also done this, follow us on X at LO underscore Blue Devils. And I'm there as well at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. All right. That's a lot of things for you to be doing. Let's now talk about the show here today. Joining me is my good pal, Kevin Conley from Ball Durham. Kevin, great to see you as always uh, back with us here for another week. And what a fun game we had last night between Duke and Hofstra. Yeah, it was. Hofstra, a really good mid-major team out of Long Island. Um, and again, they, they've pulled big upsets in past years against uh, high major teams on the road. And they looked primed for an upset in the first half against Duke, but 12-2 were at the end of the first half, combined um, with a really strong second half and a much improved defensive effort from the Blue Devils, was able to get them uh, an easy victory coming down the stretch in the second half. No doubt about that. As you said, it was 37-32, Hofstra with the lead at the under-four media timeout. So the first whistle, under-four, we've got that media break, and Hofstra's winning by five. Out of that break, Duke goes on that 12-2 run, to end the half, giving the Blue Devils a five-point lead there at the break. And then in the second half, they were able to create much more separation. I think if you look at last night's game in particular, if you're kind of highlighting the big things, the big storylines in this, my number one takeaway was just the bounce-back performance that we had from Kyle Filipowski, how locked in he looked throughout the entire game. Like, man, just really, really pleased with what we saw at a flip. Well, the one thing about Hofstra is they can shoot the ball. They can shoot the lights out of a gym. On the opposite side, they're not that big. So it became very apparent very early in this game that Duke could give the ball to Kyle Filipowski just about every time down the floor, and good things were going to happen. Now, it really did happen in the first half. I mean, what he finished with 17 points at halftime and then ended up with 28 for the game. So um, Duke was able to get the message, and I like the way the offense flowed. They were going inside out. They were going inside the flip. A double team would come, and I think last night was uh, his best passing game as a Blue Devil because once that double team came, he's just bigger than everybody. He can see over the double team, and he was able to pass it back out to the perimeter to find the open guy, and Duke's guards were hitting their shots. Jeremy Roach was great from three. Jared McCain was great from three, Um, and doing all this, 
offensively without Tyrese Proctor. So you could probably attribute some of the defensive struggles early in the first half to Tyrese Proctor not being on the floor, but certainly they adjusted at halftime. Yeah, the offense looked amazing. All Any way you look at it, I was really pleased with what we saw from Duke's offense last night. Very uh, or Several kind of standout performances that we can highlight, and we'll touch on uh, individual performances coming up in the second segment of today's show here. But just kind of talking about Kyle Filipowski's game once again. You mentioned the passing, eight assists for Flip. He finished with nearly a triple-double, 28 points, 12 rebounds, and eight assists. I think truly if Duke wants to continue to chase that national title dream that they're chasing each and every season, this is a Duke team that is very capable of doing that. But I think it only happens this year if we see that version of Kyle Filipowski night in and night out. He has to be Duke's best player, and and he was Duke's best player last night. He really hasn't been uh, for the past couple of weeks. The back-to-back losses against Arkansas and Georgia Tech, he wasn't that great. He even wasn't that great against Charlotte. And, J.J., I was the guy that said, uh, you're not going to learn anything about this team until they play Baylor after the Georgia Tech loss. Um, I stood by that statement after the Charlotte game, um, but I'm changing my tune a little bit now after watching that second half against Hofstra because um, Hofstra is a much better team than Charlotte, in my opinion, um, for the reasons I highlighted a couple of minutes ago. Um, And just the way the offense looked for Duke um, against Hofstra. It looked better against Charlotte. They followed up with back-to-back games. Now, I'm not saying this team is back and they figured out all their issues. That's certainly not the case. But I do think the game against Hofstra was a step in the right direction. Now another, they'll have another week of practice underneath their belts before they travel up to New York City to Madison Square Garden to play Baylor. Um, and that's going to be a massive game, obviously, um, to see if this team has learned anything and can finally pick up a quality victory because that's something they don't have losing to Arizona, losing to Arkansas, and then Michigan State has proven so far in the early season that they're not a very good team, and then the other power conference team in Georgia Tech they lose to. So um, Duke is still looking for its first quality victory, in my opinion, and uh, we'll see if they can get it in a week from now. Yeah, we want to build off this win and see what Duke's able to do uh, with this win last night over Hofstra. One more note on Kyle Filipowski's performance. Again, 28 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. That's a career-high 8 assists. The most that he's ever had in his Duke career was in the ACC tournament last season against Miami. He had five. So a really impressive game for Flip last night sharing the basketball. Kevin, your roots, knowing that you're kind of up there near the Long Island area in this Hofstra program in particular, a lot of people think they're going to make a deep run in the CAA this season. Mm -hmm. So is it safe to say that this is a win that in a couple of months it will help Duke's resume that they beat a team like Hofstra? Uh, I don't know, just because sometimes the metrics for mid-majors aren't that great. Um, I can certainly tell you, especially in that first half, it felt like a round of 64 game in the NCAA tournament. I think Hofstra can certainly be an NCAA tournament team winning the CAA. So uh, I don't know if this win is certainly going to help Duke's metrics, uh, but it's certainly a great win to have. And it is a game that this team could face, um, or a team like a, a team this team could face in the round of 64 of the NCAA tournament. Let's talk about some more performances that we saw in last night's game for Duke and their win over Hofstra, and we'll do that after our first break here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. Lockdown Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. This is America's number one sports book. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. 
Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. A wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So go ahead, visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL and the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, we move forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils alongside Kevin Conley, who is the site expert for Ball Durham. I'm JJ Jackson. Uh, we're talking about some other performances from last night's game. How about Jeremy Roach? This guy, night in, night out this season. I personally am not giving him enough love for what he's doing. But, man, he has been on an absolute tear as of late in the season. Numbers are incredible, and that was absolutely the story once again last night against Hofstra. Well, Kyle Filipowski has to be this team's best player because he's their most talented player. And being a, a seven-footer that can go inside, that can go outside, you need him to be great. Jeremy Roach has been this team's most consistent player. And you said it. He does not get the credit that he deserves. Um, 19 points, eight assists last night. Um, I think over his last six or seven games, he's close to shooting 50% from three-point range. Um, he has just been the absolute most consistent player on a night-in, night-out basis. And that really hasn't been the case for him throughout his uh, career at Duke. He's had these hot stretches and then cooled off and then got hot again. But here through 10 games, he really has been nearly perfect um, for Duke. Just love what we've seen from Roach. So poised, so confident in the outside shot. So impressive. I mean, he's shooting nearly... 50% 50% on the year from three-point range. That was obviously one of the bigger critiques that we had for him throughout his Duke career so far. And with Duke's kind of lack of an interior presence on the offensive end of the floor, that puts so much more focus and emphasis on knocking shots down from the outside. You need someone to be able to do that, and Jeremy Roach has been that. He has been, and obviously I think last night was the perfect storm just the way Duke shot the ball from three-point range. Kyle Filipowski going four of seven, Jared McCain going three of four, just felt like everybody was hitting shots. But uh, I think for Jeremy Roach, you see his versatility. He can play on the ball, which he's has to, he's has, he has to, if I could speak properly, that he's, uh, he's needed to do uh, really since the Georgia Tech game, once Tyrese Proctor went down. So really three straight games where Jeremy Roach has been that primary point guard. We've obviously seen him be able to play the two guard position, um, with Tyrese Proctor on the floor, and he plays the one. So, um, yeah, it, it's great versatility, and obviously being a senior, a captain, um, being in just about every single game you could possibly be in for Duke, uh, it, it's great to have him on this team, and it, it's tough to imagine where this team would be without him right now. Last five games for Jeremy Roach, 19 points, 18 points, 20, 22, and 18 over the last five, Roach is averaging 19 and a half points per game, shooting 54% from the floor and 61% from three-point range. Just unbelievable stuff that we're seeing right now from Jeremy Roach. Dukes needed some help in the backcourt, given that Proctor is out with an injury right now. And once again, back-to-back good games for Jared McCain, the freshman from Sacramento for the Sioux basketball team, out there wearing jersey number zero. I loved, once again, what we saw from Jared McCain last night, Kevin. 
Yeah, I think the last two games from Jared McCain have certainly been bright spots, uh, but it's kind of what we've seen from him throughout this season, if we're being honest. He has done really well against the mid-majors and then struggled against the power conference opponents. So I think much like the entirety of this team, Wednesday's going to be another big game for Jared McCain. It's in the most iconic basketball venue in the world in Madison Square Garden. It's against not just a, a power conference team, against one of the best teams in the country in Baylor. And obviously you really want to spread the floor against this Baylor defense to try and create driving lanes and space for Filipowski down low. So uh, it's a big game for Jared McCain against Wednesday, but uh, on Wednesday against Baylor. But you have to you have to tip your hat for the way he's played um, since struggling against Georgia Tech. 33 minutes last night for Jared McCain, 5 of 8 from the floor, 3 of 4 from three-point range. His three-point percentage continues just to climb. Four rebounds, finished the game with 13 points. Caleb Foster, another young guard for the Stoop team, had nine points in 28 minutes. And then we had another really impressive game uh, for Jalen Blakes. Didn't score 15 like he did against Charlotte, just four points for Jalen Blakes, but an efficient two of three from the floor, really was active on the defensive end, had a couple assists. What do you make of Foster and Blakes? Because they're getting more attention and more run out there on the floor in Proctor's absence. Well, for Foster, I think it's kind of interesting. You look at the last two games against Charlotte and against Hofstra, um, seven points against Charlotte, nine points against Hofstra. I wonder if he's being a little hesitant on the floor in with that starting five or the other starting four, I should say, um, and doesn't want to hunt his shot as often because he has a lot of other players on the floor and the ball needs to be shared around. I wonder if he's a little bit more comfortable running with the second unit where he can try and be that alpha dog and the guy who takes uh, the bulk of the shots. With uh, Jalen Blakes, I said it um, last night during the Hofstra game, and, and I stand by it. When Tyrese Proctor does come back, and it seems like that is going to be relatively soon uh, for Duke, he still has to play. He still has to find minutes. I just what he brings from an intensity standpoint, a defensive standpoint, from an energy standpoint, um, he has to play. Now I don't know whose minutes he will cut into. You would assume it has to be probably Jared McCain and Caleb Foster, and it's going to be up to John Shire to determine who's playing well and who has to sit. And that's why he gets paid to be the head coach for. Yeah. But Jalen Blakes has to play. The, the last two games have shown it, and um, even going back to last year, it's shown that um, he has value to this team. Um, and I think that's become very evident over the last two games. Now it, it stinks that um, that was shown through, uh, that was only shown through an injury to Tyrese Proctor. The one of the main reasons why he ended up on the floor. Um, but yeah, he, he's going to have to play once Proctor gets back and is fully healthy. I'm loving the backcourt. I'm loving how all these guys are coming together and making winning plays for the Duke basketball team. Uh, again, 89-68, the final score for Duke last night. They improved to 7-3 and three on the season. Let's talk about a couple of more takeaways from the win last night for the Duke Blue Devils, and we'll do that after our final timeout here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Locked On Blue Devils here today brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to go check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. They've got a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses 
get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Fought a few moments here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. JJ Jackson alongside my pal Kevin Conley, the site expert for Ball Durham. What does that mean, site expert for Ball Durham? Tell people about your work, Kevin. Well, we have great news, JJ. I don't even know if you know as, as of about it yet. As of this morning, we have finally upgraded our site. We have a new look when you go to balldurham.com. Okay. Uh, it's probably going to take a little bit of getting used to from the readers out there, uh, but uh, behind the scenes, we're working, still working through a couple of things, getting used to um, the new way of writing and editing and publishing all these articles. But um, it's still the same content, still a ton of Duke basketball, Duke football, Duke recruiting, um, all the Duke news you could possibly want in one spot. Um, but yeah, have some good news that we've upgraded the look of our site. Um, so when you go on to balldurham.com, it's still balldurham.com, um, but it's just going to look a little bit different. And um, we hope it's a little bit faster now for the readers. Um, and it presents stuff maybe in a little more organized fashion. So uh, it's still balldurham.com. It's still ball underscore Durham on Twitter. Um, but, yeah, some exciting news over there that uh, we've transitioned now to a new platform. So a little bit of a different view when you head to our website. I love that. That's all the reason for people to go and check out what you guys are working on and what it looks like these days. That's outstanding. I'm going to have to go do that right after the show uh, to see all the great stuff over there. So, Duke is now 7-3 and three on the season. You mentioned it. They've got a full week off now, eight days between games, so seven days from now, one week from today in Madison Square Garden. Duke's going to take on the Baylor Bears. That is a big game looming for the Blue Devils. When you look at last night's game in particular, did you learn anything going into that matchup? Obviously, Proctor, his prognosis is much better than we initially thought following that Georgia Tech game. So unclear if he will be able to go. I still think it's a bit of a stretch to think he's playing in that game for Duke. But, I mean, what thoughts do you have after last night's game going into the next few for the Blue Devils? Well, it's interesting. You think it's a bit of a stretch that Tyrese Proctor plays. I think it might be a better outlook than most people think. Okay. Um, and and I, would, I would highlight what Jeremy Roach did uh, last season when, we, when he had, I believe it was foot or toe, um, some type of injury. And Duke did play in Madison Square Garden, and the thing was the Jimmy V Classic against Iowa. And he played. Uh, they came back against Boston College at home, and they sat him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again um, over these next couple of weeks. You have a week off for Proctor still to rehab and recover and try and get some strength back into that ankle. See if he can play against Baylor on the 20th. Um, and what is a massive game, then you have another 10 days off before you play Queens in at home in Cameron, a game that you probably don't need Tyrese Proctor for. So you sit him for that and then bring him back January 2nd for good against Syracuse. Um, now, that's just my personal opinion. Um, I feel like we've seen Duke use that strategy in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it once again. Uh, but in terms of things that I learned from last night, I think the offense is still evolving. A lot of criticism was placed upon John Shire for um, how stagnant the offense had been for the first six, seven games of the season. We've seen improve, improvements now in the last two games. 
um, and you just want to continue to see that. But against a Baylor team um, that plays stifling defense and can really score the ball, um, Duke's going to have to bring their A game to Madison Square Garden. And uh, when you look at the Big 12 Conference, specifically Baylor, um, it feels like the Big 12 is trying to put a footprint in the New York City area. We've seen the ACC try this. We've seen the Big 10 try this. Obviously, the Big East is already there. Um, I think it's important for Duke fans um, in the area, I know it's the holiday season, to get out to the Garden. Um, I know it's just a single game. It's just Duke and Baylor. Uh, Get out to the Garden. Support this team. You know people from uh, Waco, Texas are probably going to make the trip up to spend a couple of days around the holiday season in New York City. Um, I I would encourage the Duke fans around um, to really make an effort to get out to to the Garden and really um, enforce that – Madison Square Garden is Cameron North and really try to create that home court atmosphere for the Blue Devils because uh, this is a huge game and they would probably want all their fans behind them and supporting them, trying to get them to the finish line and pick up this quality victory. You said it right there. It's Cameron North. I mean, I think the Stuke team's going to be ready. I think the fans will be ready to turn out against Baylor. And I'm just so hopeful that we could see a good performance for Duke against the Bears Uh, Then they've got that one final non-conference game against Queens at home, and then we're jumping into ACC play, and things get serious for the Duke basketball team. Looking at last night's box score in particular and and thinking about how Proctor kind of fits back in, obviously he's the guy. He's going to be Duke's primary ball handler once again when he returns for the Duke basketball team. Uh, The bench has been kind of reduced over the last few games, Mm -hmm. and some would argue that these were the games where you could have seen more from someone like Sean Stewart or TJ Power. But Duke last night had five or six players, excuse me, that played 25 or more minutes, and then the rest were kind of just thrown together. Nine minutes out there for TJ Power, three for Sean Stewart. Only two minutes last night for Ryan Young against Hofstra. That is worth pointing out because in the 10th game of the season and after one full season of seeing Ryan Young play for the Blue Devils, that's the fewest he's ever played for Duke. He played in every single game last year. His season low was five minutes in a game a season ago. But, I mean, it looks like there are some changes potentially to what this rotation is going to look like. I wouldn't read too much into the Ryan Young only playing two minutes just because Hofstra is not a really good matchup for him. They're undersized. They're quick. They're athletic. Not really a Ryan Young type of game. Um, as well, as far as the other players on the bench go, uh, I still think Sean Stewart's not playing because he's not establishing good practice habits and not showing that he can defend at a high level. Um, same thing with TJ Power. Um, and I think it also shows you – the heavy minutes the starters have played over these last two games shows you how important John Shire thought these two games were to get valuable game reps for their starters after they just did not look good against Arkansas and Georgia Tech. He knew that he couldn't play around. He knew how valuable these minutes were for his starters um, and to leave them out there and to try and work through some of the issues they've been having on the court. So um, I think put all that, all those reasonings together, and that's why um, you saw just really a six-man rotation last night against Hofstra. Excited to see how Duke can continue to improve in the games to come. I think it's been very clear. They had that full week off between Georgia Tech and Charlotte, and you're listening to Coach Shire talk about the emphasis that they were able to have getting back to the practice court, right? Obviously, you had the final exam schedule worked in that you had to take care of, but now we're to a point where there is no school right now. They're in the semester break, fully focused kind of on basketball and on the practices that the Stoop team can have. 
it seems like it's paying off. And, and there are players that you would love to see, to your point, them kind of improve some things during practice. But I think the team collectively has really utilized this time to the best of their ability. Yeah, they have. Um, and you just want to see that continued growth and continued progress because um, we just highlighted the schedule. There's only two more non-conference games left, and then um, things get serious for real once uh, you see Syracuse on the schedule, and then you're just going to be playing conference teams the rest of the way. And uh, not, not to harp on it, but you already 0-1 in the league. Um, now, granted, it was a game in the beginning of December, but whether an ACC game is played – on December 2nd or on March 2nd, they still count the same. So you still are 0-1 in ACC play. So that makes things even more important going into the start of the new calendar year in conference play. Well, we're going to be following along. We're going to have many more conversations, you and I, in the days and weeks to come, Kevin, which I'm certainly excited about. So once again, just appreciate you stopping by, and we'll do this again sometime soon, okay? Thanks, JJ. All right, that's Kevin Connolly joining us here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. And once again, that's going to do it for our show here today on the program. That'll do it for our show. As always, go do. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.